Good morning. Will you please stand and worship with us? the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging seas, my God, he holds a victory, yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is shortly in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes the way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We got forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. In the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. 
Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. My story isn't over, my story's just begun. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Failure won't define me, that's what my father does. Ooh, lay your burdens down. Ooh, here in the Father's house. Check your shame at the door, it ain't welcome anymore. Ooh, you're in the Father's house. Arrival's not the end game, the journey's where you are. You never wanted perfect, you just wanted my heart. And the story isn't over, if the story isn't good. Failure's never final when the Father's in the room. Failure's never final when the Father's in the room. Shame at the door, it ain't welcome anymore. Ooh, here in the Father's house. Particles come home, the helpless find hope. Love is on the move when the Father's in the room. Prison doors fling wide, the dead come to life. Love is on the move when the Father's in the room. Miracle haunt the place, the cynical find faith. Love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Jericho walls are quaking, strongholds now are shaking. Love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Ooh, lay your burdens down. Ooh, here in the Father's house. Check your shame at the door. It ain't welcome anymore. Shame at the door, it ain't welcome anymore. Ooh, you're in the Father's house. <clears throat> 
It's more than I can send. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming. You know, there's an awesome coffee cup verse. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. And we love to quote it. We, we love to, to claim it. It's when God said, for I know the plans that I have for you. And those plans are to prosper you. And we love that, but a lot of times we stop right there. But just two verses down, verse 13, says that when you seek me, you'll find me if you seek me with your whole heart. You see, there's a, there's a, a condition there. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. But if you're not seeking me, you may never figure them out. And this song is, is so powerful because it's so simple. And it just simply says, listen, the more you seek after God, the more you're going to find him. The harder that you go looking for him, the closer that you draw to him, the nearer he's going to come to you. And so many times in life, it, it's so easy to think we're doing all the right things. We become so religious. Well, God, I'm doing, I'm checking off all the boxes. But if we really sit down and we're honest with ourselves and honest with God, we can find that we may be checking off all the boxes, but we're doing it half-heartedly. We're checking off the right boxes, but we're not really excited about it. We're doing it out of religion. But there's something about this song that just says, God, I don't want anything from you. I just want to sit at your feet. God, I just want to seek you. And I can promise you, that if you'll seek Him with your whole heart. There's a reason that in Matthew that it says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek God first, not everything else. And He says, when you seek me, you'll find me if you seek me with your heart, your whole heart. So as Rachel sings that again, I want you to just to, to examine your lives we're going to do a lot of examination this morning. We're going to do a lot of reflecting on where we are. But in this moment, just for the next few moments, I want you to cry out to God. Seek Him with your whole heart. And when you do, I promise, I promise that you'll find Him. The more I seek you, the more I find you, the more I find you, the more I love you. I want to see. 
Father, I pray that as we, God, as we stand in your presence today, God, may we be reminded, God, of your love for us. God, as we lift up your name, God, may it be out of a heart of wanting nothing from you, God, we have our ideas of the way things should go, but God, I pray that our agendas and our kingdoms, God, will be stripped away. God, that we will begin on a journey to follow you with everything that is in us. God, I want nothing more in my life than to know your love. Father, we love you. As we go into your word today, I pray, God, that you will just open up our hearts, that we can hear what it is that you want to speak to us. Because, God, I know, Father, that you want to speak. God, make us open and willing to hear what it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many people are thankful for God's love and his mercy? Where would we be? Look at the person sitting beside you and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church on this Sunday morning. Listen, we are excited about what God is doing here, um, and uh, I want to take just a moment just to, uh, sometimes God can do things and perform miracles uh, in our lives, and, and we don't take time to recognize that or to testify to it. And uh, so I want to do that just for a couple of minutes. Uh, since we've moved into this building, you may or may not know that we've had no plumbing on the backside, so everything out there was good. 
everything back here, uh, there was no bathrooms, no water, no, no, no plumbing. Um, and uh, so for the last two years, uh, we have said, you know, we need to get that fixed. And, and uh, how many know everything just takes money? Anybody know that? Okay, now you act like I'm getting ready to ask you for a pledge. That'll come in just in a minute. No. Um, <clears throat> how many people noticed the big uh, concrete ditch out here now that we have? Anybody notice that when you come in this morning? Um, so uh, we had uh, a contractor come to us, and he said, when you're ready to, to dig, because what we had to do was dig across this parking lot. It was 84 feet from here uh, to uh, tap into the sewer. And he said, when you're ready to do that, uh, don't pay anybody to do it. Uh, I'm going to do it. And uh, so he, um, we, we found a plumber that was willing to, to lay the pipe. And so I made a phone call, and he said, yes, we'll be there. Uh, we'll be there Wednesday morning. And, and so they showed up with, the, with his backhoe, and, and, and I guess that's what it's called. I don't know, some kind of machine um, that uh, tore up Jack. And uh, so uh, they dug the ditch, and uh, so then the plumber came in and laid the pipe. And so what we were expecting to happen was, you know, he told me he would dig it and, and uh, come and fill the gravel, but, you know, you have to fix it. You know, you got to put asphalt or concrete. So we figured, okay, we're going to have to do that. Um, and uh, so we worked on getting a, a concrete truck on Saturday because it was the only time our guys could do it because they worked during the week. Uh, it was going to cost uh, a lot more on Saturday. If you're in construction, you know that. To come out on Saturday, it's going to cost more. Uh, so, but we were just going to have to do it because we couldn't leave that big ditch. So I showed up at, um, at around uh, 11 o'clock, and they had finished, and the, the guys were here, and they said, hey, uh, I just got a phone call from this contractor, and he wants me to measure how wide and how deep and whatever he needed to know. And he said he's going to come back and, and fill it in. And uh, in that moment, he, had, he hadn't told us he was going to do that. And uh, so I made a phone call to, to Aaron, and I said, listen, they're going to do this. And, and he had a little uh, shouting fit right there on the phone. He was so excited he wasn't going to have to come over and do that on Saturday. And, um, and then the financial part. And I say all that to say this. You know, sometimes... Uh, we expect God to, to do something, and, and He does something, and we think, okay, God, that's, that's what, you, what you're going to do. But the Bible tells us that if, that if we'll trust Him, that He'll do more than we could ever think, ask. We weren't expecting Him to come in and, and to, to fill it in, uh, but He did that. And, and that's the way God works. And, and God moves in ways, in mysterious ways, that if we're just faithful to Him. And uh, there's other projects, that uh, things that we need to... Uh, take care of. Uh, this is an old building. This is, um, uh, you know, it was built in 1925. And so, you know, we have steps out front that, um, number one, they're ugly. Um, <laughs> number two, they're, they're caving in, and, and uh, so we've had to do some repair, but we need to fix those aging steps. Uh, we need to get bathrooms on the second and the third floor. Uh, we need to be able to do that. We need to do some landscaping to improve the, so there's just a lot of stuff that we need to do. And uh, somebody was asking me, you know, what, you know, what, what can we do? And, and we talked about all the projects that we had. And, and so I had a, a donor come to me and say, listen, here's, here's what I want to do. For the rest of, of October and for all of November, uh, anything that's given to the building fund, I want to match that. So in other words, if, if somebody gives, how many people like 100, 100% return? Is that what it's called? I've got any investors here? 100% return. If you, you know, how many people would like to put $10 in your pocket and then to pull it out and it magically be 20? All right, or, you know, you, you get where I'm going. So what they want to do is up to $20,000. Somebody look at your neighbor and say $20,000. That's a lot of money. 
Um, and up to $20,000, they're going to match whatever we give, whatever you give, uh, for the next uh, month and a half. So if you give $500, that's going to become 1000 uh, If you give, you know, $10,000, they're going to give $10,000. Uh, I'm, I'm shooting high, you see that? Um, but what I, what I want you to know is, is that when God sees a need, when there's a need, and, and God will speak to the hearts of people, and uh, if we're willing to listen, and uh, so that's what I'm asking you to do. Just pray, and over the next uh, month and a half, and anything that comes in, Mark Building Fund, uh, that gift will be matched. There's several ways to do that. There's envelopes at the back. There are, um, uh, you can do it online. You can do it text to give. If you don't get our digital bulletin, uh, talk to, to someone and we'll get you signed up on that because every week uh, we let you know what's going on. Uh, so it's a good way to, to keep, you know, we don't have those, how many people grew up with the, with the paper bulletins? Uh, and, and usually with the paper bulletins, uh, you went around and had to pick them all up because people would take them and read them and say, okay. And uh, with this, this is digital. It's right to your phone. But everything that's going on is in that. How many people are thankful for God's goodness and for his faithfulness? Today we are going to start or finish. <laughs> we're going to finish uh, a series that we have entitled Unbelievable Faith. And uh, this is the fourth week. We've been talking about the life of Elisha. And uh, this week, I've, I've entitled the sermon, Where Did It Fall? Where Did It Fall? Now, first of all, how many of you would say that you spend a lot of time looking for things that you have misplaced? Anybody? You feel like, uh, like half of your life, you're, just, you're looking for something that you can't find. Now, I, I like to use the word misplaced because lost seems so final, okay? If it's lost, you're like, okay, I'm never getting it back. So, so I want to say it's misplaced. But looking for something that's misplaced is so frustrating. I've started to realize the older that I get, the more I find myself looking for things that I have misplaced. Have you ever been, now let's just be honest, have you ever been talking on your phone and then it hits you and you start wondering where your phone is? Come on, oh, yes, thank you. I'm glad I'm not alone. You are talking on your phone and it just hits you and you have this panic. And it's like, where's my phone? It's like it's in your hand. If you've not got there, you're looking at, some of you are looking at your, the person sitting beside you and say, those people have lost their mind. You'll get there. Believe me, you'll get there. How many people wear glasses? Have you ever found yourself looking for your glasses and they're on the, on the top of your head? And you're looking for your glasses and you think, man, I can't find them anywhere. And somebody says, no, oh, they're right there. How many people have an Apple Watch? Anybody? How many people know that, that the best feature of an Apple Watch is not to count your calorie, your uh, steps or any of that? The best feature is to help you find your phone. Now, I told this in, in the, the, the first service, and I promise you, this is, you know, God just, he's just good this way. Somebody walked out, left their phone on the pew, and then they was like, where's my phone? They had an Apple Watch. Now, somebody found this phone and brought it to them and said, hey, you forgot this. But I proceeded to show her, I probably shouldn't have said, uh, them, how's that? I proceeded to show them how to ping their phone from their watch. Um, we've gotten in our house that there's one particular member of the household that... Um, they lose their phone about 
probably three or four times a day. This is being honest. Now, I'll let you guess who it is. Because if you know me, my phone doesn't, uh, like, like right now my phone's over there and I feel like I'm just I'm standing naked up here because I just don't have it, okay? And uh, so that's not me. It's always in my hand. But you'll hear this ding, 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 ding. And Reese is so accustomed to it, she'll look at me and say, Mom's lost her phone again. And she'll start yelling, it's down here. Oh, did I just say that? I mean, somebody in our household. If you have these issues, I, I, I want to tell you there is this product, this great product. It's phenomenal. They're called air tags. And uh, they used to have the little tiles, and, you know, they were, they were okay. That was the, that was, that, that's, that's minor, okay? You, you, you have to progress uh, to this air tag. Now, you've probably figured out, since I'm saying they're so great, you know they're made by Apple. Because everything that Apple, never mind. Um, but they're phenomenal because what they do is, is, is you can attach them to anything. You can put them on your keys. You, you can put them uh, on, on anything that you can think of. I even ordered a, uh, a wallet. And if you can see this, this wallet, uh, it has a place for this AirTag right here. And, and it goes in there. And, and so anytime I have my phone, uh, I can go and I can, I can locate it. it. It's even so good that it, people will put them on their dogs because they can track their dogs. Uh, and, and they can find them when they're missing. So if you try to steal my wallet, you better disable this air tag or I'm gonna hunt you down. But we spend a, a lot of time, it, it's so cool because even when you, like if I were, like I have one on my um, keys over here. Well, I'm away from my keys. I, I got an alert that said, hey dummy, you left your keys. So you ever got in the car and you get halfway down and, and, and you get somewhere and you realize you forgot your wallet? This will tell you when you get just a certain distance, hey, you don't have your wallet. I mean, they're phenomenal. But the reality is, is that when we think about this, we spend a lot of time, a lot of effort, and in this case, a lot of money to, to help us find things that we have lost. But when we start thinking about those things, those things are materialistic. They're possessions. But today I want to talk about losing something else. Now, there's a good chance for those who are followers of Christ that at some point in your life, you have lost something of the spiritual nature. There's a good chance that at some point in your life, you have lost your passion for God. There's a good chance that, you, that, that there's some things of God that you used to have that you no longer have. Maybe it's your joy. I mean, when you were become a follower of Christ, you were so happy. You couldn't wait to see what God had for you next. But then over a period of time, you allowed the enemy to steal your joy. Some of you used to have great faith. You would pray and, and believe God to do great things. You had hope and, and you believed that God had plans to prosper you, just as we talked about a few minutes ago. But now you're at a point in your life that you're not, you're not praying for much of anything. You might be at a point in your life that you're even thinking, I'm not even sure that God is real. At one point, you had something very important, but you lost it along the way. 
So today as we close out this series on Elisha, first of all, I want to recap where we've been in the, in the past three weeks. In week one, we talked about burning plows and how that sometimes we simply have to tell God that we're all in. We have to tell God, God, you're plan A and I have no plan B. In week two, we talked about digging ditches. The people needed water. And Elisha told them that if they would show God their faith by digging the ditches, that he would show them his faithfulness. And he did just that. Last week, we talked about a widow woman who had lost her husband. She had no money. She was about to lose her sons because she couldn't pay her bills. And they were coming to take them to be slaves. And Elisha told her, to go gather some jars. And he asked her what it was that she had in her house. And she said, I just have a little bit of oil. And Elisha said, go gather some jars. And she did what Elisha told her to do. And as long as she had an empty jar, God filled them. And when she ran out of jars, she had so many that she went out to the prophet Elisha and said, this is what I have. And he said, great. He said, go sell it. Pay your debts. And you'll have money to live on. So those are three miracles, three things that happened in the life of Elisha. But today I want to look at one of probably the, one of the strangest miracles in the Bible, not just that Elisha ever performed, but probably one of the strangest miracles in the Bible. Because if you're looking at it uh, from the outside, it doesn't make much sense or it doesn't seem significant. I mean, we know Elisha, he, he healed a poison body of water that saved a community. He raised a boy from the dead. He healed Naaman, a, a commander of leprosy, after he dipped in the river. He blinded an entire army to, to move forward the things of God. He did all of these miraculous things. And when we look at these miracles that he performed, we know exactly why he did them. But this one, it's just a little bit different. I mean, if you were to sit down and, and, and make a list of all the miracles that Elisha performed, and you was like the top ten. And then you know how you've got the top 10 and then you've got honorable mention. And, and this miracle, he wouldn't even made honorable mention. Because in this miracle, you have what amounts to a seminary student who had borrowed an axe. And he was chopping a tree. The axe head fell off and it went into the water. And so Elisha takes a stick, throws it into the water, and the axe head floats. Now, that's a cool story, isn't it? But what purpose did it serve? What's the meaning of it? What's the significance of this particular miracle? Well, the first thing that we must realize in this story is, is that iron was very valuable at that time. Iron was hard to come by. And this young prophet who was, who was studying under Elisha, he, he probably was very poor. If you're in college or went to college, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, when you're in college, when Christy and I were in college, we were on first-name basis with the workers at Taco Bell. So much so that, that when you mention Taco Bell now, she snarls her nose. If there's ever a moment that she says, I think I want Taco Bell, I mean, I am out the door because this is my chance. Because I still like it. But this was a, this, and this was a time that, that tacos were, they were like, I'm going to show our age, or, or I'm sorry, my age. She's younger. She's going to be older tomorrow. 
But this was a time when tacos were still 49 cents. So you could just, you could just eat until your heart was content. We were poor. So this kid, he had, he had borrowed an ax from someone because it was something that he didn't have. And this ax head flies off, falls into the river, and in that moment, he knows that he can't pay it back. Have, has anyone ever borrowed something from you that was expensive and they bring it back to you in pieces? Anybody ever had that happen? Has anybody ever, maybe, you, maybe it's you. Have you ever borrowed someone's car and then wrecked it? That sinking feeling that says, uh-oh, I've done, done something that I can't fix. That's the feeling that this guy probably has. I mean, is this a life or death situation? I mean, when people want to, to borrow my car and they're like, oh, I don't want to, I'm afraid I might wreck it. And I'm like, I've got insurance. It's okay. I mean, do I want them to wreck it? No. But is it going to be life or death? You know, as long as, as they're okay if it wrecks, you know, a car can be replaced, right? So is this life or death situation? Probably not. But in this situation, we see that, that, that it was important to this young student, this young prophet. And that God cared enough about him that Elisha was able to perform the miracle to make the axe head float. And in that, we realize and understand that God cares about the little details of our life. He cares about the little details. No matter what you're going through, if you walked in here this morning with a toothache, God cares. If you're working on just a, a small project, maybe at work, it's not that big a deal, but it's, it's got you stressed, he cares. If you're looking for your phone and it's in your hands, God might be laughing, but he cares. So with all of that in mind, I want us to look at this story. But in order to, to, to understand, I want to put it in context. So we have Elisha, who was mentored by Elijah. And now we see that, that Elisha is mentoring the next generation of prophets. He has all of these young men who want to learn from him, just like he learned from Elijah. So he's passing it down to the generation. So they built a school where they could come and study under him. But they come to a point that they say, listen, we've outgrown the school. There's so many people, there's so many students that we have no room. It's not big enough. So it's at that point that I want to pick up this story in 2 Kings chapter 6. There are some really cool stories in the Bible. And we're going to read the first seven verses of 2 Kings chapter 6. And it says, the company of the prophets said to Elisha, look the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Man, that's a great problem to have. And so they have an idea. They said, let's go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. Elisha said, I think that's a great idea. See, as, as a pastor, somebody has a great idea and you think, if you're going to do it, that's fine. Go. That's what Elisha says. Great idea. Go. But then as a leader, you don't like it when they say, won't you please come go with us? Ain't you going to help me? 
And Elisha's probably thinking, okay, I will. I will, Elisha replied in verse 4. There we go. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and they began to cut down trees. So they got this axe and they're cutting down trees, getting ready to, to build this school. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. So it's that moment. He, he has this thing that's valuable. It's not his. He's lost it and, and, and his heart is sunk. What am I going to do? The man of God asked, Elisha asked, he said, where did it fall? And so he showed him the place. Now he's probably thinking, um, Elisha, I don't know, but this is the Jordan and it is flowing and, and it may have fell there, but it's probably not there anymore. It's probably, you know, downstream. Elisha said, where did it fall? And so in that moment, Elisha, he said, well, it was right there when I, when I lost it. He says, Elisha cut a stick. He threw it in that spot and made the iron float. Verse 7. Elisha looks at him and he says, lift it out. So the man reached out his hand and he took it. So there's something I want you to see in this story. The first thing that I want you to see is, is that God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. This young prophet had no intention of losing this axe head. He didn't start out the day, he says, you know what, I think I'm just going to throw this thing in the river. That wasn't his plan. But God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. And there, there are some of you who have lost something spiritual in nature. You didn't mean to. It's just happened. Can I tell you that we serve a God, you serve a God, if you're a follower of Christ, that specializes in restoration. He specializes in help you to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. So we look at this student losing an axe head. And when we think about an axe head, we know that if he was chopping down trees, it was probably had a sharp edge to it. So this morning, I want to look at this story, but I want to look at it symbolically. And in that, I want to ask you this question. How have you lost your spiritual edge? Now, you might be sitting here or listening today and, and you might say, well, pastor, I really haven't. I'm praying more than I've ever prayed. I'm, I've got more faith than I've ever had. I'm closer to God than I've ever been. And if that is you, then that's awesome. And I would say, keep doing what you're doing. But it's my guess that for, for many of those who are followers of Christ, if you're being honest, you, you might say, Pastor, there was a time in my life that I was more into the things of God. And if you can admit that, I, I want to ask you this question. How have you lost your spiritual edge? What is it that makes you realize? You might think about a time when you were surrounded by Christian friends. They were there and, and they helped build you up. They prayed for you. They encouraged you. And then COVID. Then COVID. You become isolated and, and now you become maybe even cold. And now you still have Christian friends, but, but they aren't the friends who are helping you spiritually. As a matter of fact, they might be struggling just as you are. They might have lost their edge. 
And maybe when you used to get together, you would, you would talk about life and, and you would talk about spiritual things and about God, about what he was doing in your life. But now when you get together, that's not happening. You're not thinking about things of God. Why is that? Because we've lost our spiritual edge. Maybe you used to serve in church. You were using your gifts for God. And you had the satisfaction of knowing that you were making a difference. And then COVID. Or then life got busy. And so you stopped. And now you're in a position that, that life is, is still so busy. And you're filling it with all these other things. But you feel so unfulfilled. You feel unfulfilled because life has become all about you. Maybe there was a time in your life that you had a passion for prayer. We're talking about losing our spiritual ways. Maybe you had a, a passion for prayer. And you would go into your quote unquote prayer closet. Maybe you even had one. And you would get up early and, and pray for people and for things. You would stay up late to pray for people in situations. But now you're to a point that, that you might pray over your meal if you're with somebody who expects you to or if you think somebody's watching. Or maybe you pray about the, the big things or, or you pray when life is just falling apart. We're talking about losing our spiritual edge. Maybe you used to tell others about Christ. You never missed a chance to turn a conversation into a spiritual one when you were talking with someone who was far from Christ. Maybe you're sitting here today and, and you can't remember the last time you had a spiritual conversation with someone who wasn't a follower of Christ. You say, Pastor, you're depressing, man. We're talking about losing our spiritual edge. It happens. Maybe, maybe you used to have a strong Christian values and you, you lived your life thinking, I'm not going to do that because it's not pleasing to God. You lived your life saying, I'm not going to do that because... When I do that, it does nothing to add value to my walk with God. Then you get with a, a set of friends or in a situation and they're like, yeah, it's okay, just this once, you can cut corners. Just this once, you can, you can do that. You, you start doing things that you shouldn't do. And then you wake up one day and you think, how did I get way over here? I have no idea how it happened because I used to fill in the blank, but now this is where I am. Now this is where I've ended up. I've lost my spiritual edge. Here's the reality. Uh, it can happen to any one of us. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. We've seen great preachers and people that have been used by God fall. We don't look down at them because we understand that they're human just like we are. And we understand that, that they are fighting the same enemy, the same devil who has one thing in mind and that is to steal, to kill, and to destroy us. You see, he wants to take away from us everything that matters to God. He wants you to, to, to lose your spiritual edge. He wants you to, to lose your focus, to lose your priorities, to change them. Say, Pastor, can it happen to you? Absolutely. It happened to me right after we helped plant this church 15 years ago. I came out of a, a situation where I was a full-time 
on, on full-time staff, youth pastor, associate pastor. And when Pastor Rick said, we want to plant this church, but I can just tell you there's probably not going to be any money. So in that moment, God did provide a way. And I got a secular job that was help paying the bills. And the next thing that I knew, this job, I was giving everything to it. In that moment, I had become a full-time IT guy and a part-time pastor. I would venture to say even a part-time follower of Christ because I didn't have time to, to, to study like I should or, or, or to get in God's Word like I should or, or to have relationships like I should. I didn't have time. I was all the time trying to, to fix computer problems. You see, we can easily, it can easily happen to, to me, it can happen to you. We can easily become a, a, a full-time parent and a part-time follower of Christ. We can easily become a, a full-time business person and a part-time follower of Christ. You don't mean for it to happen. I didn't mean for it to happen. But we end up pursuing things. We end up pursuing emptiness, things that will not fulfill us. You don't mean for it to happen, but it does. You lose your spiritual edge. You say, Pastor, so what do I do? What do you do when you're swinging away just like this prophet was doing? He wasn't doing anything wrong. He thought that what he was doing was good. He was swinging away. And then the axe head flies off. What do you do in life when you're swinging away, but it causes you to lose your spiritual edge? How do you get it back? The first thing we have to do is, is we need to be honest about where we lost it. We need to be honest about where we lost it. In verse 6, Elisha looks at this guy and he says, where did it fall? He needed to realize in that moment that the axe head wasn't gone. He was saying, where did it fall? It's not gone. It's not lost. It's just misplaced. And it's where you left it. He said, where did it fall? And when we look at that, we have to ask ourselves the question, where did I lose it? Where did I start? When did I start to lose my spiritual edge? And for many of us, we can look back and say it was right there. It was right there. I made a wrong turn. I made a wrong choice. I had a misstep. I made some friends that were the wrong friends. Or I started dating the wrong person, even though there were red flags everywhere. I stopped praying. I stopped searching for, through, for God through the Word. I quit giving. I stopped being involved in, in community. I became so busy with everything else. Maybe I, I was hurt by someone and, and maybe even someone in the church and it stopped me dead in my tracks. My heart has grown hard. I've even blamed God over something that someone else did. It doesn't matter how you lost it or where you lost it. It's just a, a matter of admitting, this is where I lost it. This is where I messed up. This is the mistakes that I made. And the second thing that you need to understand is that not all hope, hope is lost. Because with God's help, you can take it back. 
With God's help, you can take it back. Why is that? Because my God specializes in helping you find what you didn't mean to lose. Elisha asked, where did you lose the axe head? And when he showed him the place, he cut a stick, he threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Now that's awesome. That's awesome. Verse six tells us he made the iron float. But verse seven is just as important. Verse seven says, he looked at him, basically said, there it is, now get it. There it is, now lift it out. And the Bible says that the man reached out his hand and he took a hold of it. He lifted it out. God put it within his reach, but he had to reach out and get it. And I want you to know that with God's help, he's gonna put that edge back within your reach. But if you don't reach out and take it, it's just gonna keep floating. If you don't reach out and take it, the current may take it farther and farther away and you may have to follow after it a little bit longer. But in that moment, God makes that thing within your reach and he's asking you, reach for it, lift it out. And in each of these four weeks, we see things that had to happen for the will of God to take place. We see that, that Elisha had to burn some plows in order to follow after Elijah and get what he wanted. And that was a double portion. People had to, to dig the ditches to get the water. They had to gather the jars to get the oil. And today, to get your spiritual edge back, you've got to reach out and you've got to lift it out. You see, only God can make the axe head float, but only you can lift it out. You may be sitting here today, you may be listening today and, and there's a voice in the back of your head and it's saying, you can't get it back. Are you crazy? It's gone. It fell in the Jordan and the current has taken it way down there. You ever been at the ocean and, and, and lost something and the current just takes it and, and before you know it, it's way down there. That's what the enemy's telling you. You lost it and now it's gone, you'll never find it again. You've done too much, you've gone too far, you've made too many mistakes. You've been off the path way too long, you'll never get it back. And there's nothing you can do about it. But I stand here today under the power of the Holy Spirit telling you that it's not too late to become the person that you could have been. It's not too late to become the person that he has called you to be. It's not too late to get back to the things that you thought that you could never have again. It's not too late to get back what you had and even have more of it. That's the power of the God that we serve. God specializes in helping you find what you didn't mean to lose. Here's the great thing about God. You say, well, I, I can't do that. No, there's some things that you can't do. This prophet, this young prophet could not make that ax head float. You can't create your own spiritual passion. You can't even create your own faith. 
but you can take steps. You can create, how do you get faith? Well, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you can put yourself in situations where you're hearing God's word so that your faith can be built. You know that God hears and answers prayers. So you can choose to pray even when you don't feel like it. Or even when it maybe even seems useless. You can choose to to sit at the feet of God and, and of Jesus and worship even when you don't feel like it. The more that you seek Him, the more that you'll find Him. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you first had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. He said, understand where you lost it. Then repent and do the things you did at first. Listen, I, I counsel with, with married couples often. And, and they'll say, you know, I just, I, I, I've lost that loving feeling. And as we begin to, to dig into it, what we begin to, to see or understand or realize that that thing, guys, that you were doing, you know, sending the flowers when there was no reason to send flowers. The little things, women, that you were doing that made you fall in love and we begin to realize, hey, they've stopped. The same thing's, same thing's true with God. And he says here in the book of Revelation, he said, you've lost your first love. The things that you used to do, you're not doing anymore. You say you're sorry. And you'll, if you'll turn back, he's saying, come home. He's saying, turn from your sin. Turn from your apathy. Turn from your complacency. Repent and do the things you did at first. I've watched marriages completely turn around just out of this concept. Your spiritual walk is no different. Listen, if you want what you once had, you have to do what you once did. You may not have caught that. If you want what you once had, you have to do what you once did. And when he causes it to float, he's looking at you and he's saying, reach out and lift it out. Why? Because God specializes in helping us get back what we didn't mean to lose. He is a God of restoration. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 3 through 5 says this. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where, you, where he scattered you. Even if you've been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belongs to your ancestors and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. That's the God that we serve. And here's the awesome thing about God. You may have been on this spiritual journey and, and you were following after him, but, but just little by little, you started taking the wrong turn. And maybe it was just little steps. It was just a little thing. But can I tell you that, that a lot of little steps, you know what they end up equaling? You being way off course. 
But here's the thing about God. I mean, our mind would think that, okay, I'm way over here, so I've got to start over with God. That's not the way God works. He's a God of restoration. When you reach out and you lift it out, He's going to meet you where you left Him. Listen, this, this young prophet, he had been chopping down trees. And when he lost this axe head, that tree just didn't jump back up and go back together. And when he got it back, said, okay, do it again. It didn't work that way. He was able to pick back up right where he left off. And God's the same way. He said, I'm just waiting for you. Let's, let's finish what we started. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a question this morning. How many people would say, Pastor, it may be hard for me to swallow my pride and and, and admit it, but I've lost my spiritual edge. How many people would just slip up your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you, all across this building. Why is it all across this building? Because that's the enemy that we're up against. That's what he's good at, pulling you away from, making you lose that spiritual edge, making you lose your passion and your desire and your first love. Anyone else? Pastor, that's me. Pastor, that's me. Thank you. I've lost my first love. Now, if you raised your hand, I want you to think about what was it? What disciplines did you have in your life before you lost your spiritual edge? What were you doing that you're not doing now? Or what were you doing with your whole heart that you're only doing now with a partial heart? What is it? And after you think about that, I want you to visualize that thing just floating to the top. And right now you can see it. And by the power of God, he's saying, reach out and lift it out, take it back and get back to work. Take it back and let's continue on this journey that we started. Not a go back to the beginning. He's saying, hey, we, I started to work in you. I'm going to complete it. He's saying, let's go. Reach out. Lift it out. And let's continue doing the work that I've called you to do. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And here's how we're going to close. As Rachel plays and begins to sing, I'm going to pray. And as I begin to pray, I, just as we say every week, this altar is open from the time the doors are open until the time they're closed. So as I begin to pray, if you say, Pastor, that's me, and I want to take a, a, a step. A step that says, 
I've lost my spiritual edge. I'm not happy about it, but I'm not ashamed of it because I know it happens. You want to take a step and you want people to, first service, we had people line up at this altar and they prayed and they cried and, and, and God did something in their life. God wants to do something in your life. So if you raised your hand and, and you feel and you want to take it back, this altar is open. Because God wants to do something in your life. He wants to give you that spiritual edge back. But he says you've got to reach out and take it. You've got to want it. So as I pray, don't hesitate. Father, I come before you today. God, you see every hand that was raised in this place. God, you know exactly what it is that we're facing or that we're up against. And God, the enemy right now, we, we bind him in the name of Jesus because we understand and know that he's whispering in our ears and saying, you can't get it back. You can't get it back. But God, we know that it's within our reach. God, we reach out. God, we grab a hold of it. And Father, I pray that for those of us, God, we didn't mean to. God, we didn't mean to. But God, we find ourselves in a position that, that we, we were not as close to you as we once were. We're not serving you like we once were. We're not living our lives the way that we once were. God, I'm so thankful that you're a God of restoration. And God, you say all that you have to do is to cry out to me. Just as this young prophet cried out, said, oh no, I've lost it. God, you, through the prophet Elisha, you heard his cry. And God, he cried out. And God, you restored it. God, as we cry out to you today, God, restore to us our joy. Restore to us our passion. Restore to us what we once had. And God, help us see and understand that in order to have what we once had, we have to do what we once did. God, that's to seek you with all our heart. God, to, to pour out everything that we have. God, we repent today. We repent for our complacency, for our apathy. God, we're sorry. But God, today we turn from it. God, today we reach out, we lift it out. God, we take it back. Thank you for restoring us. Can you just sing this out to him today? God, we love you. God, we love you.
sometimes we have to put ourselves in that position. That song says that everything that we have, we pour out on the feet of Jesus. Just as Mary, she had that expensive jar of perfume. It was everything that she had. It was the most important thing in her life in that moment. And the Bible says that she took it and she poured it on the feet of Jesus. Whatever it is that you're holding on to, God said, give it to me. That thing that you think will sustain you is not going to sustain you. Why? Because that jar of perfume that she had, she would have either used it, she would have sold it, but at some point it would have been gone. But she did something that sustained her for the rest of her life. She took it and she poured it on the feet of Jesus. And that's what God is challenging us to do. He said, the thing that you think is going to get you through this life it's not going to but it's in that moment that you understand that in him that we live we move and we have our being it's in him and then when we give it all to him then we're sustained not just for this lifetime but for eternity God I thank you for what you've done in this place God I pray that if God, that we have heard what you've spoken to us, not through me, but through your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that as we get back to doing what we once did, God, may we be amazed at your mercy and your grace. May we be amazed at your restoration, your restoring power. God, may our lives be a testimony of your grace and of your mercy. Father, we love you. Father, we praise you. God, we adore you. God, every day of our lives, May we be aware that we can do nothing without you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you for allowing us to speak into your life. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. We love you. We love you, church family. We're looking forward to what God's going to do as we continue to follow after him. Have a great Sunday. Find a life group.